Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. This your home. Are you ready for the word this morning? Come on. We're going to read first. We're starting a new series over the next few weeks. We're calling it Worth Fighting For. Worth fighting for, and we're going to begin reading with the book of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writing this letter to this church, and it says this, a final word, beginning in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against what all strategies of the devil, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. It feels that way sometimes. Come on. Some of y'all got a bad neighbor. You know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all driven on Highway 17. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's a different fight than the fight that you think you're fighting. Therefore, since we're fighting this fight, do this. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, it's not like if there's a battle, like there will be, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on this, come on, and we're gonna bring it back to Sunday school. If you are a Sunday school teacher in the house, you know this scripture verse, because you pulled out all of your props and all the kids loved it, and you dressed up like this, and we put on the armor of God, and it starts like this. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will what? Be fully prepared. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Also do this. Put on salvation as your helmet and do this. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. All believers everywhere. Now turn with me to the book of Matthew. I want to read this, and we'll get to it in a moment. The book of Matthew, Jesus is telling some stories. He's telling these stories in the forms of parable. And beginning with verse 3, he says this. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer, he went out to plant some seeds, and as he scattered them across the field, some fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds, they fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seeds sprouted out quickly because the soil, what? The soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted underneath the hot sun. Brunswick County in August, come on. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. And other seeds, it fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop, that was 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Come on, somebody. Anyone with ears should hear and listen and understand. 
So he tells us, and then later on the disciples are, we need to understand. So what Jesus says, let me tell you about it. Beginning with verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable of the farmer planting the seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. And the evil one comes and he snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Oh, so here's the ground you're talking about. And the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately they do what? They receive it with great joy, but since they don't have any roots, they don't last long. They fall away because as soon as they have problems or are persecuted or go to Walmart, come on, what happened? And the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word but all too quickly, the message is what is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth. And so no fruit, no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil, it represents those who hear and understand God's word. And they do this, they produce a harvest that's 30, 60, even 100 times that which was planted. Man, that sounds good to me. Mm, some good, good soil right there. Um, in World War II, uh, there was all these planes that were getting shot up, and the planes got shot up and went down, and a whole bunch of smart people got together. Uh, uh, engineers and flight technicians and people from all over the country that got together, and they started inspecting all of the planes because they realized, man, uh, all of our planes are getting shot down. We've got to do something about it. And so all of these planes that made it back, they began to inspect them, and there would be bullet holes all throughout the planes, and they would see in certain areas of these planes there was just clusters of bullet holes, and they did all this to inspect the plane to figure out, hey, where should we put more armor on the planes? That way they can uh, return safely. Our, our, our men, our women can return safely from battle. And so they're, they're inspecting these planes. They're getting all of this information. They're getting all of this data uh, and trying to figure out where to put the armor. Now, at some point, amongst all of these smart people, someone figured out the problem in this logic. And the problem in this logic is this. All of the planes that you're inspecting are the ones that made it home. <laughs> so you're looking and you're trying to figure out where to put all these, but these are the ones that made it back. We should be inspecting the planes that didn't make it home. Now this is uh, known as selection bias. Selection bias is the process in which it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's plain or whatever you may be looking and trying to formulate a certain opinion about. What you do is you have a tendency to take all of the data of the information that's available to you right there. And so you take all of the data and all of that information that's available to you and you form certain conclusions. But the problem is you're not looking at the data that's not there. Come on. Ephesians 6, Paul says, listen, the battle that you're fighting ain't the battle that you're looking at. And if you're not careful, you'll try to armor up in places that you don't actually need armor. The, the, there's, there's certain armor that you want to put on this plane. Come on, somebody. And, and, and if you're not careful, you'll start to put all of these things. Like, no, no, those are the ones that made it back. Um, in 2020, there was this little thing that popped on the scene called COVID. Anybody remember that little thing? few people, remember, it was going around. And uh, 
man, did it not just do a number on the church. As a matter of fact, uh, statisticians and surveyors got out and they did all of this data and they found this, that anywhere from 40 to 60% on average uh, was the reduction of the, the average church. So in other words, 40 to 60% of the average church got cut whew, right down the middle all across the country. And it happened to us too. Half of our church, just where did they go? What happens? And here's the thing about COVID. Like, we, come on, we got caught up. We got caught up in politics. We got caught up in personal agendas. We got caught up in distractions. We got caught up fighting about this, a mask. Come on, we were just fighting about a mask, y'all. People just going crazy about things and going crazy about politics. And we've already seen it start to itch its head again. Like a year from now, you can already kind of see the volcanoes starting to smoke. And, and, and these are distractions. And Ephesians is like, no, there, there's a battle that's going on. It's deeper than what you're just seeing on the outside. And so what happened is that the church, we started to inspect and look, man, we, we, we lost ha half of the church. What happened to them? What, what happened? And we, we tried to inspect those that returned, some that, that didn't return. And, and there was a bunch of, we're not exactly sure. Like, like some people, they just left from one church and then just went to another church. And, that, and that's great. Because, man, you're just still part of the body, still, still believing in Jesus, still the kingdom, and for whatever reasons. And, and then there's a whole group of people that, like, they just went online, and they never came back. And maybe you're listening to me today, and you ain't been in church. That's all I'm going to say about that. We love you, but get here. You can't eat tacos on that screen. And then there's a whole bunch of planes that never returned. And you know who they are. We have friends and loved ones that they got shot down and they've walked away from the faith, many of which don't even believe at all. And it revealed a lot of weak spots. It revealed a lot of weak spots in the church as a whole, in the church in America, and it revealed weak spots as us as individuals as well about our discipleship and our worship and our dependence on certain things to happen, and when it didn't happen, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to worship. We didn't know how to disciple ourselves when we didn't have what we were used to, and we got caught up with other things. And I just think COVID was a wake-up call to how fragile of a system that we built, how absolutely fragile. And I don't mean to minimize it at all, but if you think that, that was 2020 was bad, you haven't read Revelation right? Like, welcome to church. It gets a whole lot worse. I'm so glad you're here. And here's the thing. Maybe you're in the room today, and maybe you're here, and maybe somebody invited you because, like, listen, we're having tacos. And maybe this is the first time back in a really long time, and maybe you took some shots. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe you got offended. Maybe you didn't like how the church handled certain situations. You didn't like the pol politics of it all. You didn't like this and you didn't like that. And you took a whole bunch of shots and you're one of those planes that you've been sitting in the hangar for a few years. And even just walking through those doors, it's a big step because, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. Are you ready? Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. My heart 
And, and I believe it's all of our hearts and the heart of Jesus is we want to see you healed. We want to see you restored. God has a plan and a purpose, but there's more good news. You're going to get hurt again. It's going to happen. Like right now, even like there was this moment, like you saw that card on the chair and you were just like, that's, I knew it. I knew it. A bunch of hypocrites and they just want my money. And like, you're just waiting for me to say the wrong thing so you could get offended and never come back. It's going to happen. You're going to get hurt again because this is a war. This is a battle. There will be some stabs in the back. There will be some disappointment. It's the reality of this fallen world. I am not Jesus. We are not Jesus, right? We're, we're trying to live into his image. His, my, my righteousness is like filthy rags. I am not the hope. <laughs> Jesus is the hope. And you're going to take some shots. You're going to get hurt. It might happen today. You might be reaching for that taco and somebody else snatches it right in front of you. <laughs> Man, why you take my taco? This week, so this week, yeah, this week, we sent the kids back to school. Come on, somebody. Amen. And then they already had like two days off. Like, come on. Man, get to school. And, and we're preparing our kids for school, and I do this every year, and I sat my oldest daughter down. I said, get ready to get picked on. There's always a bully. Someone's going to try to hurt your feelings. Someone's going to say words to you that just aren't true. So be prepared. I'm preparing you for the battle because it's something bigger that's going on in that person's life too. And so, so don't, don't worry about them. Just, just don't let it get to your heart. Don't let that fiery arrow sink into your heart because you could take a shot to the arm and still return to the ship. Just don't take a shot to the heart. And so I'm trying to prepare, I'm in Ephesians 6, prepare and put on all of God's armor that you will stand firm against the strategies of the devil. And when I read that this week, the word that really just stood out to me was this word strategies. Do you realize that the enemy has a strategy for your life? Now, I know we love Jeremiah and like God has a plan, but the enemy has a strategy too. Like, I love strategies. I love strategizing and figuring out A and B and C and making all these dots connect. But I read this and I just realized, man, the enemy has a strategy. And, and, I, and I read this, and if you've ever read the book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, I highly recommend it. It's, it's an insane book about this fictional conversation between these demons. And the demons are having this conversation on how they could shipwreck this new Christian's faith. And it's all about strategy. C.S. Lewis goes into it. It's a, it's a great book. But I was just thinking of like, man, the strategy. And I was looking to the word. And there's so many strategies of the enemy. Let me just name for you a few of them this morning. The very first one that jumps out in Genesis is this. Did God really say? Ah, probably the biggest strategy of all. To get you to doubt the word of God. Did God really say? Another strategy Job. Yeah, of course Job worships you. Look at all that you've done for him. Take away all of that stuff and he will curse you. Ah, strategy number two. It's all about the stuff. You only worship God for what you can get from him. So if I take that away, it'll cause your worship to stop. Recognize that. It's not about the stuff. 
There's something deeper going on. It says this about the enemy. He's roaming around like a lion, looking for what he can devour. And, and I looked at it this week, and I thought this word, he's roaming. And all I could think about was one of those little Roombas in the house. It's going around just vacuuming, and it just like sucks up anything it could get, right? Like that's what the enemy is like, one of those little stupid vacuums. And he's roaming. He's not a lion. He's like He's imitating. He's a wolf in sheep's clothes. He appears one way, but it's, there's this imitation. He's imitating light. He's imitating truth, imitating a sheep. He's the tempter, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, tempting you with all of these things. He's the accuser, making you feel like you're scum. He wants to do everything he can to accuse you and grab your identity. Say, this is who you are. So that's the big difference between conviction and what, what the enemy does. See, conviction says, no, this is what you did. The enemy says, no, this is who you are. And God says, no, 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 that's not who you are. What you did is not who you are. Let me tell you who you are. And if you don't understand that, see, there's a strategy that the enemy has, and he has a strategy to take you out, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I think this. I think if the enemy has a strategy to take you out, we should have a strategy to keep you in. And that's what Ephesians 6 is all about. Paul's saying, listen, do this because when you're in the midst of this battle, I want to know that you could stand firm at the end. It's not enough just to have a good start. I want you to have a good finish. Do all these things. Put on this armor so that you could stand. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're coming to church as this is your first time or if you've been coming to church for 50 years. you got to put on this armor. Because the reality is you could come to church but not come to Christ. Jesus said, no, 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 put on all of this honor, all of this armor, so that you would finish well and you would be standing strong. Armor up. And I want to specifically focus on one this morning, this one strategy of the enemy and one piece of the armor. And that is this, did God really say? The enemy coming in the form of the servant and talking to the woman and saying, did God really say? I don't, I don't think, now here's the thing. This wasn't a misunderstanding. This wasn't like, I can't remember. Did he say that? I'm not sure. It's not like you know, you're having your conversation with your spouse, and you're like, I don't think you said that. Pretty sure I did. Pretty sure you didn't. Pretty sure it wasn't that. Like, no, there's no sin in here. Like, Eve remembered. And, and then, then, like, you can say, oh, maybe miscommunication. No, it wasn't miscommunication. She knew exactly what God said. I got an email just this last week. It was pretty good. And um, it was a perfect, like, great email. And the gentleman just said, hey, I've uh, been loving your sermons there's this one part of the sermon you're talking about when you got off of your mower and you started kicking your mower. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to kick a mower. And so, like, there's this part, though, where you're talking about you're getting off your mower and you're kicking your mower and then you lose your salvation. And he's like, do you really think you could lose your salvation for kicking your mower? And, uh, but I realized, I was like, oh, this dude's from up north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're watching right now, we love you, bro. But down south, kicking your losing your salvation doesn't mean losing your salvation. It means I'm about to beat these kids, right? 
Losing your salvation means I'm about to lose it. I'm about to go off. I'm about to get angry. This volcano's about to, you know, grandma used to say, boy, you better, I'm about to lose my salvation up in here. That's not what, so like there's this miscommunication. There's a, like, there's a line somewhere around Virginia and come on. And if you're not careful, you could come up in here and get really offended. This is the South and you could lose your salvation quick. It's a joke. You can't lose, don't kick the lawnmower as much as you want. But that's not what happened here. There's no miscommunication. She didn't forget. Like, like, no, no, no. This is what he said. It is the, the word of God. And he said, don't do it. Don't eat from that tree. And the, and the enemy comes and did God really say? And so the point of it is like, this is our foundation for everything. Let me stress that word again. Everything. Everything in life. This is what we are building on. And, and, and if, you, if there's something else that's contrary to that, you've gotten off course. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I just feel like, nope. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, see, this word informs my feelings. My feelings don't inform this word. And so it doesn't matter what culture's doing. It doesn't matter what's happening. Like, well, that was just an ancient book. It's just like a really good way to live. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is the word of God. And it's here, and this is what we base everything upon. And then, and then the, the writer here in Ephesians says, not only like it's the word of God, he compares it to a sword. And this is supposed to be my lightsaber. It's like, it's like a sword. The word of God is like a sword. Now, I remember the, the Sunday school teachers, Mr. Kirk is probably right there, back there right now teaching this lesson to your kids. He is. And they would say, you know, the sword. And then someone would always say this. Notice that the sword is the only offensive weapon on the list. To which I would disagree. Because there's a belt. <laughs> and if you grew up in the 80s, come on somebody. This bad boy, just the sound alone will send you running to the room. Come on, my daughter can testify. <laughs> but I digress, that's not the point. But there is this sword. So listen, don't understand it. And, and look at Jesus. When Jesus is tempted by Satan himself, look at Jesus' response every time. It is written. Amen. It is written. No, no, no. You're saying something contrary to the word of God. You're trying to, it is what, so we've got to know this word. And the point of this parable that we're about to get into even more so is like, no, no, no. You've got to not just know the word. You've got to understand the word. Because if you're not careful, it could get snatched up from you. The very first one, there's this seed. There's this word that goes out, and it goes upon this footpath. And the very first thing that Jesus tells us is a bird, which is the enemy. He comes and snatches it like one of them seagulls at the beach. He will snatch your lunch quick. This happened to my daughter, my other daughter, not too long ago. We were at the beach, we were hanging out, and we all had our little sandwiches packed and everything, and she wanted to go get her little snack or whatever it was, and she was like, Dad, it's gone. Where's it at? I'm like, the bird got it. It's right over there. You left it 10 feet from you, and that bird got it. And I didn't say this, but I wanted to say this to her. The reason why that bird got it is because you're acting like a tourist 
in a place that you're called to be a resident. You're taking the word of God and you're acting like a tourist in a place which God's called you to reside. And if you're not careful, you'll just leave it to the side all the time and the enemy will have snatched it and you don't even know it. You'll be living your life and all of a sudden, well, I'm hungry now. You've got to know it and you've got to understand it and you've got to treat it with the honor. Of like, no, no, this is the word of God. This is the word of God. The church is not a tourist destination. Ephesians 6 says, no, no, this is an army. There's a battle going on. And here's the thing about this army. There are no reserves. I know we got reserves here in America. You can serve one weekend a month, two weeks a year. And let's be honest, that's how a lot of us treat church. I'll come one week a month, Easter and Christmas. There's no reserves in the army of God. There's no reserves. This is an army. And he'll snatch it. The enemy will, this is his strategy to snatch it, and you won't even realize it's gone. Brother, stand up for me a minute. Imagine for me, you're just, you're hanging out, doing good, and you're at the New York subway, and someone does this to you. You just got pickpocketed. My man's wallet's gone. I ain't that good. I didn't do it, but... His wallet, thank you, Brian. His wallet would be gone. You just thought it was a little bump. No, 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 the enemy snatched something valuable. You, you, you just thought it was a little offense. You just thought it was a, a little lie. A little, no, 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 the enemy just snatched something. He just snatched your joy. He just snatched your peace. I can't even sleep now. He just snatched your identity. No, no, he's out there. He's, like, he's got your credit cards, and he's, he's at Marshall's right now. He's buying Coastal Gear half off, just <laughs> snatching it, snatching it. And some of us, he's snatched it, and we don't even realize it's gone. This letter to this book, to this church in the book of Revelation, is like, you've lost your, your first love. You're doing all these great things, but you've lost something, and if you're not careful, man, you're going to lose so much more. Like, come, return to me. Return to me. The next soil, there's this rocky soil. Some seed, it, it, it fell on this, this rocky, this shallow soil, and so the second the sun comes out and it gets hot, it does this, it withers away. The second, there's some pain. The second, there's some persecution and why? And it tells us, Jesus tells us why, because they have no roots. It's shallow ground. Let me tell you this, church. Shallow Christianity will never finish well. You will not finish your, your race well if all it is is just shallow ground. No, you've got to put down some roots. We've got to get rooted into the word of God. Because this is the strategy. Because while that seed was still tender and still young, here's the thing. That's the enemy's strategy. He wants to get it while it's young. He wants to take out our youth. He wants to take out you when that seed of faith has been planted. And that's why things go crazy Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. He wants to get it young. He wants to grab it before the roots because it's vulnerable. It's a planting season, and, and in that, when you plant that seed, you've got to care for it and love it, and you've got to let it grow and let some time to get those roots down deep. The problem is we've created this society that's built on ease and efficiency. 
And so there's no time for roots to go down deep because everything's so easy. I was talking to some people this week, and when I say this week, it could have been months ago. <laughs> and uh, they were talking about parenting kids. And I'm, we're all, me and my wife are constantly just trying to learn how to be parents. And um, they were talking about uh, helicopter parents. It's like, what's a helicopter parent? A helicopter parents is somebody that just hovers over their kid all the time. Just, what you doing? What you doing? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not helicopter parents. We don't do that. Go ahead. Go play in the street. It's all good. <laughs> and then they said this other type of parents, and they called them snowplow parents. It's like, ooh, what's a snowplow parent? A snowplow parent is when someone goes before the kids and they plow all the snow out of the way so it's an easy path for them. And I told Devin, uh-oh. Uh-oh. We might not be helicopter parents, but we are snowplow parents. Guess what y'all are doing tonight? Dishes, kids. <laughs> y'all gonna learn how to do these dishes. Me and mom gonna go relax on the couch. We made it too easy, but we've done that in church. I've become a snowplow pastor. We've become a snowplow church here in America that we made it so easy and we saw so many people that didn't put down deep roots and when it just got a little bit tough, they withered away. Next one. It says there's these seeds and the farmer's scattering these seeds and, and then this seed goes amongst the weeds and the thorns. And so the enemy didn't snatch it. The roots started growing, but then there's all these weeds and all of these thorns, and it's literally choking the life out of the, of the plant. So this is the enemy's next strategy. Enemy strategy number one, if I can't snatch it, then I'm gonna burn it up. And if I can't burn it up, then I'll choke it out. I'll choke it out. I'll just put all of these things in its path, and it'll die a slow, painful death choked out by the love of the things of this world, Jesus says. Choked out by 57,000 commercials that enter your soul every day that say you have to have this thing to be happy. Choked out by all of these things. And this is such a painful, painful way to live. Probably maybe the most dangerous of all because here on the outside, it could look like you're doing okay, but you're slowly losing your oxygen. And here in this place, you could produce a whole lot of leaves, but no fruit. And to everyone else, it looks okay, but you're choked out by the things and the loves and the temptations of this world. And the scriptures tell us this, we're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God. And if we were to be real honest, come on, guys, some of us are seeking 57 other things first. We're seeking the bigger house. We're seeking the bigger boat seeking the bigger bank account. And then maybe number 14 on the list is seeking the kingdom. And we're being slowly choked out and we're living this life. Yeah, there's lots of leaves, but there's no fruit. It says it can produce no fruit. This is, this is the part of the Christian journey. It's an almost state of being. I'm almost in, but not quite. See, I'm too in to be out, but I'm too out to be in. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of us know we've been there. The love of the world. And you're just wondering, well, well is that me? Well, take a, take a minute and survey your dreams. What are you dreaming about? Now, really, really think about it for a minute. What are you dreaming about? Now, I would ask you this question. Do your dreams look more like what they're selling us on television or more like what the kingdom of God looks like?
Some of our dreams are just, guys, to be honest, it's the wrong dream. We've been sold this bucket of goods that this is what we're supposed to want. This is the American dream. No, 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 it's, it's, it's a distraction. I remember when I was 16 years old, getting ready to buy my first car. And I found this 1988 Jeep Wrangler. And it was awesome. And it cost $6,000. Now, $6,000 in 1988 is like $60 million or something. <laughs> I don't know what the inflation rate is. But I do remember this. My car payment was $200 a month. And my insurance was $100 a month. And the gas was still like 50 bucks a week because it got like four miles to the gallon. <laughs> and I remember like it would cost me like 500 bucks a month to drive this car. And I was making six bucks an hour. And I did the math. And I'm spending all of my money to go to work. <laughs> For sale. <laughs> Come on. And some of us are still doing that same thing today. We had this dream. We got the dream. But the very dream that we dreamed was the wrong dream. And it's eating us alive. The joy that we thought it would give us is just, there's nothing there. Because we've been choked out. There's weeds and there's thorns. And if, 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 I can't, if I can't snatch it out, if I can't burn it out, I'm going to choke it out. Seek first the kingdom of God. Constantly making sure that our heart and our minds are Jesus first. And when I say that, man, it's Jesus first in everything. It's Jesus first in my marriage. It's Jesus first with my kids. It's Jesus first at my job. It's, God, how is the kingdom coming right now in this moment in everything? What, what, what is your kingdom doing as I'm driving down the road? What is your kingdom doing as I'm hanging out at this table and I'm talking to people I've never met? Before? What is the kingdom doing and how can I enter into that? Seek first your kingdom in everything and in all ways. And, and, and everything. And, and then there's this last one. This is the one we love, the good soil. I have the band come on back up here. I actually told Alan that ahead of time. I shouldn't have said that. You knew the cue. The good soil, and it says these people, listen, they hear the word, they understand the word, and listen, they're producing a harvest that is 30, 60, and 100 fold. Man, that's a good ROI. Come on. You give me $1, I'll give you 30 or 60. Like, man, that is good. Like, I don't care what you are. There, there ain't no stock in the world that's paying that kind of dividends. 30, 60, 100. And this is, sounds too good to be true. I want to ask you a few questions this morning. Hold that in your mind. We'll get to it in a moment. Because there's this part of us that says, like, yeah, we're the good soil. We're the good soil. But Jesus, there's this specific warning about these, this other type of soil. And it says this. Has it been snatched from me? Do I understand the word of God? Because if you don't understand it, here's the thing. Start asking questions. See, we have this system in our culture that's like, like people are afraid to ask questions because they don't want to feel like, they, well, I don't know, I should have been, I've been in church for 30 years, I should know that. Hey, so ask questions. Figure it out. Understand. Be humble. I'm trying, trying to learn. I'm trying to figure it out. Don't let it get snatched. There has to be understanding. Am I letting the word of God being snatched from my life? If you have that, like, write these down. Take out your phone. Write these down. Ask. These are great questions. Because Jesus poses this. Paul shows us. Listen. The enemy's strategy, there's a strategy to snatch it. He wants to snatch everything right here that we just learned. This little parable. Do I let the word get snatched too often? Do I understand it? The next question, 
Do I lack roots? Do I seemingly fall away every time things get tough? The second things don't go my way, and the second there's a, am I, am I just falling away? Am I doubting God at every turn? Do I lack roots? Do I lack roots? Third question, do I let this world crowd me out? Have I put Jesus on the back burner of my priorities? Can I truly say that I'm making him the center of my life? Or am I being crowded out by the things of this world? And last question, am I producing fruit? And not just am I producing fruit, here's a great, great question. Am I producing fruit on levels that I can't explain? 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. See, if I'm only producing fruit on levels that I could explain, that just means that's Lucas's work. See, I've got this fruit, I've got this harvest because I worked real hard. And I worked real hard and I sweat and I put the blood and the sweat and the tears in it, and I can explain why this happened. But there's got to be some things in your life that I can't even explain why, why this is happening because I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. I'm not working that hard. But man, there's a harvest in my life and it's 30-fold and it's 60-fold and it's 100-fold and it has nothing to do with me. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. And there's fruit in my life. And people see it and people recognize it and they know them by their love. And people just say, like, I don't know what it is. I don't even like you, but there's something about you that draws me to Jesus. Come on, I don't, I don't want a church that we can explain it. I don't want a church that's like, no, no, we're building this building and we're doing these things. Like, guys, I can't explain how all of these things have worked out so far. Like, there, there's things that have happened and there's money and there's all these things. I'm like, only Jesus. As a matter of fact, when it comes to doing this whole campaign, we're doing it all wrong. And yet Jesus is working it out. I just believe, like, God, if we just pray and we just seek your face, you'll do it. Because I want some fruit that the community looks at. and says, oh, We can't even explain it, but God's doing something in Brunswick County. God's doing something in my life and in my marriage and in my family. And we got prodigals coming home. And I don't even like church, but I got to go to church. I don't even know what it is, but someone's just drawing me. And, and there's somebody, and I walk down the street, and somebody just needs some healing. I, don't, I know it sounds weird, but I'm just going to pray for you for God to heal you. And 30-fold, and 60-fold, and 100-fold, we need to start surveying the fruit in our lives. Because if it only could be explained by how good you are, there's a problem. This is the type of fruit that the Word of God produces. It produces in me this love and this joy and this peace that I can't even describe. There's this, 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 I know I'm going way past my time. There's this moment in the book of Isaiah where he's talking about the word of God. And there's a word in the Hebrew, and the word that he uses, meditate, but the meditate, how it's used in the Hebrew language, literally translates, it's like the growl of a lion over its meal. I read that and I was like, ooh. You know, American, to put that in American version, it's like a dog with a bone. Come on, to get in the word like that. I'm just like a dog with a bone. You ain't taking this from me. You ain't taking this from me. Jesus, I want, and, and, and guys, it's not about, I'm talking about the, it's, it's not the book, it's Jesus. That's right. It's Jesus. I'm getting in this because I'm Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus. And Paul warns, listen, put on all of God's army so that you could do what? Stand firm against the strategies of the, of the devil, because he has them. So stand firm with me this morning to your feet. Maybe you feel like that plane. You've taken some shots. You've inspected. Maybe some of us, we've even armored up in the wrong places. We've armored up and said, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I'm not going to let that happen again right there. I'm not going to let that vulnerability out again. And God says, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Read Ephesians 6. We're going to get into it over these next few weeks. The enemy has this strategy to take you out. I'm telling you, God has a strategy to keep you in, to stand firm, to be a people fully alive in Christ. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, we turn to you this morning. We turn with our hearts and our minds and our souls and our very being to you and we repent, God. We repent if we've allowed the distractions of this world to choke us out. We repent if we've kind of treated your word like it's, oh, we've let the enemy just snatch it so easily. We repent for not putting down deep roots in you. Because Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And in you, we live and breathe and move and have our very being. If you're in the room this morning and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. The Father is calling you home. He loves you. Those other things that the enemy's tried to speak those lies, this is who you are. No, no, no. Jesus says who you are, his son, his daughter, and whom he loves. So if that's you in the room and you just know you need to give your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to put your hand real high in the air where I can see it and just pray a prayer of salvation and surrender to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. Lord Jesus. I am you, I am yours, and you are mine. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, I need you. I repent. My life is not my own. I put it into your hands. I surrender. I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. And amen. Guys, give it up. We had four people in the house. Come on. I gave their life to Jesus. Oh, man. Hey, listen, I know it's late, but we've already got lunch here. So before we break, before, we, everybody, before everybody starts moving around, let's take just a couple minutes and let's just worship Jesus, all right? This is, it ain't about Alan, it ain't about Luke, it ain't about, it ain't about what this is just you and Jesus. Just a minute for you to just say, Jesus, this is what's on my heart, and I'll just worship you. Let's do it.
Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.